lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thank you for tuning in live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast, where contrary to the totalitarian edicts of Bill O'Reilly, I will not, as unvaxxed, be doing a show without a mask. In fact, I will ask him. As the actual super spreader here among us, as the fully vaccinated, if you look at the study we shared last night, he is the super spreader. I would actually ask him uh, to walk around as unclean and mark himself uh, instead uh, by his own standard. I, I think it's I think it's only fair. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Don't forget every now and then uh, you might see a hashtag Facebook approved takes. That's where I'm lying to you like Bill O'Reilly was earlier today. So you should just know that up front that whenever you see hashtag Facebook approved takes, I'm lying to you in order to attempt to trick the Facebook algorithm by getting you information that apparently idiots like Bill O'Reilly have never read. So I want to get it to you beyond the fake check fake checkers. And so I have found that if I actually just use the stupid, dumbass narrative that Bill O'Reilly has apparently bought into, I can publish anything I want over at Facebook and they'll let you see it. So that's why you see hashtag Facebook approved takes. Maybe Bill O'Reilly's so dumb that he's actually believing that uh, stuff. He's taking it at face value. Who knows? You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, and then look for us as well. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Look for clips of the show that you can watch for free and free of censorship over at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show as well. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. We have no Todd today. And since Friday is Todd's day, it takes two people uh, to fill his uh, sizable shoes. So we'll be hearing from one of our OGs around here, Rachel Semmel who worked in the Trump administration, now at the Center for Renewing America, and our old friend as well. Uh, There he is. There's Josh. He's the editor over at Newsweek's op-ed page. So we'll be getting to them here in just a moment for the Dace Group. Next hour, we'll be getting to your feedback here on a Feedback Friday. But first, what do you think of my glasses? Awkward segue, but I get paid for these. If you like my glasses and you want to get yourself a pair, um, they are called... German-engineered Roden stock eyewear, available for the very first time here in the United States. It's a 144-year-old company. It is considered the gold standard with over 500 patents. And now, if you've got, because you know me, I can't ever just fit into one simple camp. Even, even my own eyesight issues have to be contrarian. So I'm a little bit far-sighted, a little bit nearsighted, but not quite yet, not quite yet ready for bifocals. So I had to do the whole progressive lens thing. And sometimes you're thinking, man, those frames on those progressive lenses looks pretty dorky. Not anymore with our friends over at Better Spectacles. They can put even your more difficult prescriptions into one of those nice-looking handcrafted rodent-stock frames as well. And right now, if you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve, you'll get a telehealth appointment that you won't even have to leave your home for, uh, and you'll get it with some of the best-trained opticians in the country. And they're offering you right now more than 60% off to get you started here if you're in our audience. Visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. That's betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Get over over 60% off at betterspectacles.com slash Steve. And now it is time for the Dace Group.
Alongside the aforementioned Josh Hammer and Rachel Semmel, let's get to our weekly look at the week that was with issue one, Bleep, Lord Nefarious Says. So you basically see it, this is going to be like, well, it's almost like, uh, you probably don't see it like this, the two different classes of people, if you're vaccinated or if you're unvaccinated, you have all these rights. If you are vaccinated... That is what it is, so, yep, yep. Neither I nor Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the NIH, lied or misled about what we've done. So we believe it is very important to get these people vaccinated. There is a plan, um, should these people not want to be vaccinated, towards education and counseling to get people the information they need so that they are feeling comfortable in getting vaccinated. I'm begging you, toss them and think of what's good, not only for yourself, but for those around you. If you don't want to do it for yourself, if you think it's a pain in the ass, I get that. Right. But think of others around you. Independent the saddest would not vote for him if he did the vandal. Because they don't do all that shit. My rights, my shit. And they don't care that they kill everybody. Well, that, see, that's good to know then. But after he wins, then he'll do the mandates, the vaccine mandates. He will. But right now, it's about him winning. Well, our unvaccinated people, the reason we're seeing these new strains and will an increase in vaccinations mitigate the virus morphine in multiple ways? Uh, well, that's a good one because the answer is short, yes. People who refuse to accept vaccines, I think the right response for them is not to force them to, but rather to insist that they be isolated. But we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. We don't have time. I'm a non-binary elementary school teacher, so here's how I talk to my students about pronouns. To be wasting. I think that white people are committed to being villains in the aggregate. The thing I want to say to you is we got to take these motherfuckers out. On these phony, trumped up culture wars. I was at like a sex dungeon at this bar in Chicago once. It's like a basement. You had to take off your clothes to get down there. You get down there, there's a bunch of people just in the dark. Um, so I got by like four random people and they all in me, which was crazy. Um, somebody probably peed on me down there too. That probably happens. This fake outrage. The right-wing media's pedals to juice their ratings. Take a look at these photos from WTVQ in Lexington. They show male students dressed in women's lingerie, dancing on school officials, including the principal who just happens to be Hazard's mayor. Female students wore shirts saying Hooters right across them. They also carried drinks made to look like beer. Some people have called the skits inappropriate and offensive. Others say it's a fun, harmless tradition that's been blown out of proportion. None of my children have been hurt. None of the teachers have been hurt. It's embarrassing to them that this has to happen at their school because people don't know how to keep their mouths shut. Alexa, what does hell look like? And of course, Karen there wearing a mask outside. But yes, the, the, the students being turned into... Um, and into uh, products, parody products for pederasty. No harm, no foul. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Aging Rhino Boomers of America, otherwise known as Bill O'Reilly.
All right. If you want the absolute dumbest, most ineffective political commentary from the right possible that will do absolutely nothing to stop what we're up against, but in fact, encourage everything that you just saw, please, by all means, follow Bill O'Reilly at your own soul's peril. Let's get to the first question here to Josh and to Rachel. And Rachel, of course, since Bill O'Reilly's not here, chivalry's not dead. Let's get to the first question. Uh, ladies first. What was the worst burp from the pit of hell this week? Uh, I think, well, I think it was definitely uh, all the vaccine stuff when it comes to the people that we think are on our side telling us that we're the cancer. I think this week showed more than anything from this montage that Aaron put together is that, and you and I have known this for a long time, but a lot of people on the outside are just realizing it. The people on our side, the people on Fox News, the people that were our Republican pundits, the people that quote unquote are, are, are from the Midwest or you know from Kentucky, from Indiana, the people that should be quote unquote aligned with us politically, there are no boundaries anymore. It's are you vaxxed or are you unvaxxed? Are you, uh, do you think that cultural Marxism is the way or is it not? I think the whole collage was terrible. The one thing I would mark as the absolute worst of the week, though, didn't make the montage. I've been focused pretty much this week on border at the Center for Renewing America. We've been putting out some good policy stuff. But this past 48 hours, we've seen that the administration is in talks with settling with illegal immigrants who have been uh, psychologically traumatized from President Trump's border policies, getting upwards of uh, a mil half a million dollars per person by this government for breaking our laws and entering illegally, which as we know, these are probably cartel members. That to me was just the worst of the worst. And it maybe it's because it just happened, the, the, the last thing that happened. You are offended at the swap meet for human traffickers we've been conducting down there for the last uh, 10 months, Rachel? <laughs> I mean, I, I clearly these people who are getting more money than 9-11 victims or uh, those who have lost service members overseas. And it's just, it's so laughable how much these people hate us right now, how much our government hates us. It's like we're being punked, but we're not. Uh, tomorrow, or maybe in 10 minutes, Bill O'Reilly will come back with, well, it's just pragmatic to give the illegal aliens $250,000 as a settlement instead. The 450000 is just way, way too expensive. Josh, what was your fa what was your favorite O'Reilly? I'm sorry. Uh, what was your favorite uh, uh, highlight, low light from this montage? And no, you, I, I have just begun to bury that fool. Go ahead, Josh. So thanks, Steve. I think Rachel is totally right. First of all, to flag this crazy story that the Wall Street Journal has started reporting on at the border. It, 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 if this is actually true, and it seems like it is true, I have no reason to doubt its authenticity. That is the biggest story of the month. I mean, that is like that from my perspective, Steve, is like reparations on steroids. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is like next level insanity. Oh, it's, it's even worse than that, Josh. Josh, that's an act of that's a traitorous act. I mean, we used to we used to we used to have court martials and public displays of justice for such suggestions in past eras of Western civilization. This is a this is this is just even discussing it. The fact that it's even being proffered is traitorous. And if you guys know anything about the Wall Street Journal, it's probably the last newspaper left in America that's major that that establishments on both the Democrat and Republican side both exp, both respect. 
So this isn't like, you know, Breitbart got some memo somewhere and overzealously ran with it. Something like this is going to go through about 75 editors uh, who care far more about their reputations than they do anybody else. All right. If it's going to be published in The Wall Street Journal. Is that fair, Josh? Totally fair. No, look, The Wall Street Journal was when they reported all the recent stuff about Facebook and Instagram for kids. I mean, they're kind of leading to the so-called whistleblower and everything. So, no, the journal is obviously, I mean, look, I, I work in Newsweek. I work in the quote-unquote mainstream media. The journal is, is about as reputable as it gets. So um, I, I have no reason to doubt its authenticity, but it's crazy story. But I want to focus briefly on something slightly unrelated to that, which is Barack Obama there campaigning for you know, uh, how, how do you pronounce his name? McAuliffe, uh, McAuliffe, uh, McAuliffe, right? Campaign for Terry McAuliffe in Virginia, talking about the so-called fake culture war. How, how, how stupefied is this man? How cynical is he five years removed from the White House at this point to talk about what is actually happening in this country as a purported fake culture war? A student was raped there in Loudoun County back in May yep. by a transgender student. Someone was then sent to a different school where the biological male allegedly then raped someone else. Trial for that case is still pending. We've seen critical race theory obviously proliferate all throughout the country, holding aside just Fairfax County, Loudoun County, where it's kind of emerged as ground zero. Obviously, Chris Rufo has done yeoman's work reporting this over and over again. AT&T, CVS, all the ma massive Fortune 500 companies totally in the tank for this toxic, inherently racist, divisive, intersectional ideology that says that white people are spirit murdering black children in third, fourth grade elementary schools. This is not a fake culture war. In fact, it's quite the opposite of that. The only issues that are relevant now, Steve, from my perspective in this country, are the quote unquote cultural issues. In fact, the reason that Glenn Youngkin is surging in that race and may well win on Tuesday is because he has taken these so-called cultural issues and actually taken them head on. And that's the message going forward for Republicans is you got to take on this nonsense, this total wokest BS that the median American still actually has enough common sense to stand against here. So I, I, look, I, the left is trying to downplay this because they want strategically the right to go back to the Reagan-Bush 1984 playbook with these stale kind of neoliberal orthodoxy, supply-side tax cuts, deregulation, all that. They're, they're trying to paint it as if it's a fake culture war so the right will retreat to its usual National Review, Wall Street Journal, editorial board talking points vis-a-vis -vis economic policy. But the culture war is where it's at. Every issue in the year 2021 is a quote-unquote cultural issue. I, I haven't yep. gotten around to watch the full speech yet, but Ron DeSantis gave the keynote address at Claremont Institute's gala in Southern California last Saturday night. And he had some line there where he said, quote, corporate tax cuts in the year 2021 are not going to cut it. That's just right. Josh, man, that wasn't an answer, brother. That was a homily. All right. That was that was absolutely fantastic. And we'll talk more about the Virginia race later. But you've watched this play itself out in the Virginia race. A good friend of mine went to the went to the Youngkin campaign about four or five months ago to try to get them involved. And, and this is before the story that Luke Rosiak broke at Daily Wire had even come out. This was just over the CRT stuff going on in the Fairfax and Loudoun County school districts. And he's with an organization that's trying to rally uh, parents to take school boards back all over the country. Youngkin campaign didn't want anything to do with it a few months ago. Look what has happened in that race since they have glommed on to the culture war issues, Josh, as you just said. That is that is not just that's not anecdotal confirmation, man. That's real time. We're treating the patient with a, with with a medication and watching it work. All right. You've seen that entire race turn around because of what of what Josh Hammer just said. Let's get to the exit question on a scale of one to ten, with one being the odds that Lindsey Graham hasn't been jabbed. And 10 being the odds he's in favor of mandates. Uh, rank this week's level of total depravity. Josh. 
that's a full 10 from my perspective, honestly. What do you think, Rachel? Yep, same. Aaron, I didn't go to you during that segment because, frankly, I thought we heard enough from you with that damn montage that makes our <laughs> eyes bleed. Okay, so what? Do you, what do you, <laughs> you warned us yesterday, too, this was coming, right? Yeah, this All is right. like a 20. All right, well, you give it a 20? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that was a tough watch. Hey, um, did you know that a lot of the food that you take out for your pet has had all the good stuff taken out of it before you give it to your pet? That's typically what happens with a lot of the mass consumption of food, both for people and pets these days. That's why we humans were taking so many supplements. And now there's one for your pet as well. You've been hearing us talk about it on the show for well over a year. It is called Rough Greens. It's the green powder that you sprinkle into your pet's food before they eat. And with that one simple act, you're putting back a lot of the vitamins, minerals, uh, antioxidants, pre-probiotics, the nutrients and things that were stripped out of your pet's food before it ever left the factory that your pet needs the most. But you might be wondering, hey, how will I know if my pet will like this? Well, one way to find out is if we give you that first 14-day jumpstart bag for free. See if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com. You pay for the shipping, but the bag to get you started is free at roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com, or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Let's get to issue two. Joseph Mengele blushes, or at least he would, except he's in hell. Earlier this year, as the journalist class was just starting to open the Overton window on the topic of the origins of Wuhan coronavirus, another story emerged that received absolutely zero reporting surprise from mainstream sources. The University of Pittsburgh received nearly a half million dollars in funding from Dr. Anthony Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases to scalp aborted babies and graft said scalps onto the back of lab rats for quote-unquote research. In one study published last year, Pitt scientists described how they cut the scalps from the heads and backs of the babies, scraping off the excess fat under the skin of the babies before stitching it onto the rats. They even included photos of the baby's hair growing out of the scalps. Earlier this week, a bipartisan cadre of lawmakers in Washington signed a letter demanding answers from Fauci and the NIAID about the funding of other so-called scientific research after it was revealed the NIAID funded an experiment in Tunisia which involved scientists stripping the vocal cords from beagle puppies before trapping their heads in a cage where sandflies would then eat the puppies alive. Another experiment, this time in Bethesda, Maryland, involved torturing monkeys with fake spiders and snakes in order to study their fear psychology. In addition, NIH scientists allegedly sucked out parts of the monkeys' brains or destroyed them with acid to intentionally worsen the prime fear. Of course, this pales in comparison with the ongoing human experimentation of a vaccine to combat a virus the NIH stated in a letter last week they definitely didn't create with funding grants to faraway labs. First question, uh, he funds the scalping of aborted babies, uh, the devouring of dogs by flesh-eating insects, uh, maybe even the funding and research that created COVID-19, and that's when he's not advocating muzzling school children like their North Korean political prisoners or experimenting on orphans for AIDS in New York City about 30, 40 years ago. So um, here's a question, and, and admittedly, in the era in which we live, it is a high bar, okay? It, this is a... This is this is this is like Bruce Jenner went in the decathlon. All right, you got to clear that pole vault. This is how high that bar is in the era in which we live, because it is a turkey shoot, a filth. Okay, but is Anthony Fauci the absolute worst piece of filth who's ever held any form of public office in America? 
Josh, I ask you. Oof. Well, that, <laughs> that is that is a high bar. Look, on the top of my head, Steve, I mean, like, I, I think you could easily make a plausible argument for that, okay? Look, I'm a... I'm a dog person. I grew up with dogs. I I, I love dogs. Um, I, your viewers will get a, a a look into my somewhat reserved, uh, sentimental side here. I remember when I was in Tokyo, Japan, actually five years ago with two friends. Apparently in Japan they do these like puppy cuddle session thing. You pay you pay money for a half hour just to be like surrounded by puppies just to like play with them. I did it. I'm like not ashamed to say that. Like I love dogs. So this story like really, really, really resonated with me, like on like a very like deep visceral level, because it is just it is profoundly evil. OK, and the video clip that we just saw, of, like those monkeys that are just like going back here. I, look, I'm not like a PETA apologist, for God's sake. I mean, I'm not a vegetarian. I love eating meat. I'm not like an animal rights absolutist by any means whatsoever here. But this is this is evil stuff. OK, I, the, the word evil is manifestly justified to, to be used here. The only reason I'm kind of equivocating and hesitating a little bit here, because I think it was literally on your show, Steve, um, earlier this year that I made the case that John Kerry is likely a traitor to the United States. So he's a, he's again, a it's a target rich environment, brother. I'm feeling you. Yes. Yeah. So I, I would probably still err on the side of John Kerry because I genuinely do not know that his loyalties are to his country first and foremost. And he's been serving in various high ranking foreign relations capacities for the past half century or so. But I, I Fauci is clearly in the discussion. Aaron. I, I think Fauci is is in the dis, is in the discussion. I, I I think George W. Bush is up there as well. Say what you want about his leadership after nine eleven, but uh, the wars that we found ourselves in, the amount of weight that that carries in all forms, not just the human toll that that you know, of of our of our uh, of our people of our troops that we sent over there for decades. But also the destabilization of that region and the carnage uh, that has that has enveloped that region. I mean, yeah, it's it's been fighting over, as you like to see, the, say, the sand dunes for millennia. But just recently, I mean, you could make a you could make an, a case for George W. Bush as well. But in terms of the duplicity, in terms of the malfeasance, at least with George W. Bush, I don't know about you. It still seemed, even even towards the end of his presidency, when he was in hiding uh, for most of the time, going out and saying we have to suspend free market principles to save the free market, there's still some human there a little bit. Some You think somewhere you see, there's some decency. Some, somewhere yeah. there's some decency. Yeah. All we get from Dr. Fauci, this week he's out there saying, yes, the unvaccinated are causing or will cause new new strains. Guys, that's that's I thought Daniel Horowitz was way overstating it. Just just being a little bit bombastic when he started calling this the Fourth Reich. It is. We are there right now. That's because of people like this. What possible research is there? And maybe there's a good answer for it. There is a good answer for the reason why you would scalp an aborted baby who's already been probably uh, torn limb from limb and sucked out of their uh, mother's womb. Maybe there's a good reason to then scalp that baby and then make humanized mice. Maybe that reason is, you know, they were experimenting on humanized mice. They were experimenting on bat coronaviruses on humanized mice over in Wuhan. Did you know that? Maybe, maybe that's the reason. Maybe there's a good reason for letting, I don't know, beagle puppies be eaten alive by sand flies. Maybe there's a good reason for that. But I, I, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't think that there is. I certainly think George W. Bush, when you look at the fullness of the record, 
is in the conversation for the worst president in American history. If you look at the foreign policy boondoggle, you look at the the state of play when he left um, the the ascendancy of the of the new Marxism within the Democratic Party that largely took a, advantage of his failures as their platform by which to gain legitimacy and to play off of in order to convince people to vote for them. Uh, you look at the explosion of the size the size of government, which looks fairly pedestrian now, but at the time was unlike anything we'd ever seen. Uh, the worst. Uh, and most unpopular piece of legislation in modern history, known as the TARP, which you referenced. But to me, when I when I when I see when I see Anthony Fauci as just a person, Rachel, and you and I have worked in politics for a long time. Okay, I have been lied to by some of the best or worst, depending on how you want to define that. I've never seen any human being that his entire public existence is just dissembling. Like there is no sincerity there. There's no there there. Everything is a dissemble. Like when when John Kerry is windsurfing, I think that's actually a sincere act on his part. That's who the guy is. I have no idea what Anthony Fauci is. He's a human construct. It's like watching Daniel Day what Daniel Day Lewis play some antichristical character in a movie. I don't know where the role begins and the person starts or, or ends. There's I, to me, I just see a, nothing but dissembling. Rachel, is that too harsh? No, I think that's absolutely fair. And I think Fauci, yes, 100% Fauci, the most evil. I think he also represents many faceless bureaucrats at in the quote unquote medical community who are doing these experiments, who are writing these grants, who are courting eco health and giving them money. So I don't think it's just Fauci. I think he represents many people whom we'll never know the names of that are doing these awful experiments. I will also say Fauci does not happen if not empowered by the Bill Gates, by the Hillary Clintons, by the globalists that put him there. So I forced myself uh, to watch the Fauci uh, National Geographic documentary that got negative 20,000 on Rotten oh. Tomatoes. And one thing really- Why do you hate yourself so much? Call me up. I'll give you some affirmations. Don't do that to yourself. Rach, come on. Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I, I had a bottle of the wine that you you advertised <laughs> to, go, to help me out. So. Notice she didn't uh, say a glass. She said a bottle. But Go ahead. Yes. Model. Yes. But, you know, the one thing I was struck by with Fauci is that he, after the whole AIDS debacle, which I know you've talked about, which a lot of people know, I'm not going to rehash. He seemed so physically and emotionally impacted by people disliking him that he was going to do anything and everything to get in their good graces. And he has been bought and sold by a globalist establishment that have empowered him, that have given him the keys to NIAID, to NIH, Francis Collins, Hillary Clinton, Bill Gates. I mentioned those guys. These grants that... NIH has that NIAID is giving out to, which by the way, not necessarily aborted, it sounds like from what we're learning from David Delighton and the likes, these are babies born alive to be at the right temperature for these experiments, even worse. But I I think Fauci is great, probably the greatest of of all the evil, but he doesn't happen if it hasn't been propped up by all the people we've hated for the last 20 years. So let's get to the exit question, because this is something I said routinely during this program last year, Rachel, when you were still working in the White House. So you were in no position to provide us a perspective on this. And I, so true or false, if he had never, if he had fired Fauci and never extended the lockdowns with the 30 days to slow the spread, Donald Trump would still be president today. What do you think, Rachel? 
I disagree. Uh, do I think that Fauci, Burks, and the whole lot should have been tossed out uh, to their Delaware vacation houses the second that we took office? Absolutely. Do I think Scott Atlas and folks like him, who actually had two brain cells to rub together, should have been put in power and, and let to run the ship? Yes. Uh, but if you're somebody like me who thinks the election was stolen and had nothing to do with policy mm -hmm. and that the Democrats clawed their way to the top, no, I don't think anything he could have done would have uh, impacted the outcome. See, I agree with you that the election was stolen. But, and I'm not grilling you, I just want our audience to hear a perspective they don't get to hear. That's why I want, to let them, I want them to know what you think. But I see that those decisions set the stage for the steal, meaning this is what opened up the can of worms of mail-in balloting and all the sorts of things that we had successfully held them off from doing for decades, that this was kind of the gateway drug for that. Is that fair in your view or not? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I guess the COVID lockdowns and now the vax mandates are uh, a feature and not a bug when it comes to separating us, uh, defunding the police, uh, doing all these other things that are really horrible. So yeah, you have a point there. I was approaching it more from, uh, were people ticked off and did they vote the other way? Sure. I think the answer is no on that. Yeah. All right, Josh, true or false? What do you think? Yeah, I had the same instinct as you guys have in this question. Like in law school, you learn about quote unquote proximate cause, the proximate cause of the election being stolen. And I do feel comfortable using the term stolen um, was what we've already discussed here, the, all the proliferation of mail-in balloting, all these unconstitutional changes to state level voting procedures. But I, I, I agree with what you said, Steve, the, the, the gateway drug, so to speak, definitely was kind of the Burke's Fauci hysteria, the lockdowns and all that stuff for sure. Aaron? True. Yeah, that's why I had Aaron go last. We've discussed this so off so many times on this show, I already knew what his answer was. All right, when we come back, let's talk about that Virginia governor's race. Is it a bellwether or not? And some shocking polling that was done and revealed on this race last night. We'll get into all that and more coming up next year. Stay tuned. Well, it is official. We have made the switch over to Patriot Mobile. We had been customers with T-Mobile since we first, as a family, got mobile phones over 20 years ago, but decided, you know what? I should probably live up to my own commercials. So we we made the switch, and, and this actually did end up costing us a little bit of money. Not that Patriot Mobile is expensive. It's just I have, shall we say, um, negotiated uh, successfully with T-Mobile many times over the years with some may use the term threats of going to other places with better rates and using that. I would prefer to describe it as leverage uh, in order to get obscenely low charges for mobile phone service. But you know what? After a while, who cares about an extra 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks a month uh, when I'm giving money to people who hate me and I have an option not to do that and get the same, if not better service. In fact, I'm on the exact same network that I was on before because it turns out Patriot Mobile uses all the same towers that T-Mobile does. All right, so if you want to get access to America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, same broad nationwide coverage, been using Patriot Mobile all week long, upgraded the phones too. I had a, about a four or five-year-old iPhone. We've upgraded that, all right? If you want to get upgraded and you also want your values not to be downgraded by who you give your money to, uh, give your money instead to Patriot Mobile. Give them a call right now, 972-PATRIOT. 
Get a free activation with the offer code Steve when you call at 972-PATRIOT. Veterans, first responders, by the way, you get even bigger discounts. Or go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Again, that's PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Let's get to issue three, and that's the Virginia governor's race. A bombshell dropped on the Virginia gubernatorial race last night. The latest Fox News poll of the state finds Republican Glenn Youngkin with an eight-point lead over Democrat Terry McAuliffe. This is the first recent poll in the Real Clear Politics polling average of the state that shows Yunkin with a lead. The previous five polls showed two ties and three leads of one point each for McAuliffe. Despite bringing in the last two Democrat presidents to campaign for him. We don't have time to be wasting on these phony, trumped up culture wars. In fact, we're taking a page from Terry's book when he was governor and when he'd be governor next time. We're emerging from this pandemic. We want to expand pre-K for three- and four-year-olds, millions of pre-care students. McAuliffe appears to be heading for disaster in what could be an early symbolic referendum on President Joe Biden and his administration. All right, let's get to the first question. Rachel Sema, what the hell did Joe Biden say there? No, just kidding. That's not the question. I, w- I would not put you on the spot like that, sister. All right, not on. I'm not Bill O'Reilly. I won't do that to people. Okay. Um, instead, let's let's talk about last night's poll, and and there was another that showed Youngkin ahead as well. And you know, if, if you've worked in campaigns, you learn that the public polling is a lagging indicator, and it appears by bringing in Biden, bringing in. Uh, Obama. Interesting they're not bringing in Kamala. But by trying to bring in some heavy hitters, they clearly had some of this data before it came public in the public polling. But Rachel, do you believe that what's happening there or may be happening in Virginia? Is it a bellwether election for the country or were there just some unique local issues there that caused what could turn out on Tuesday to be a brush fire? What, what, What do your instincts tell you? Oh, I absolutely think it's a bellwether of where everybody else is across the country. I mean, you saw what rallies uh, on vax mandates and CRT in Brooklyn over the week. So I think it's definitely happening everywhere. But I'm, I know the good book says not to be a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. However, I'm about to be very double-minded about this Virginia race because I have two thoughts. One is conservatives, Republicans in the beltway, people like you and I who nerd out over polls and races, there's always those type of people that say, you know what, this is gonna be the cycle where we flip Virginia. Guess what, Virginia is a D plus 10 state and every year we're like Lucy with a football and we lose because either the Democrats have stolen the election or somehow we missed something or we put up candidates like Gillespie and Virginia actually never gets flipped. So I was pretty like, you know, all the all the uh, tailwinds were behind Yunkin, and at best he was tied or, you know, a week or two ago. And I was pretty down. We're not going to win. I think the last 48 hours with this new poll, President Trump announcing he's going to go campaign in Virginia, which he does not do. I think if there's any any consideration that Glenn Youngkin may or may not win, I think he knows he would hurt in that situation. So I think now I'm a new person and I now think we're going to win Virginia. <laughs> I, I think what you said there at the end especially well all of it was good but that's a key point that i think maybe in terms of nuance might get missed by people i think we all know donald trump doesn't like to be associated with losing on any level whatsoever to go into that to, to inject himself into that race after we've had now two public polls showing 
uh, Youngkin ahead. And by the way, all the previous polling had it tied or within the margin for error. And if you're the guy with 100% name ID that's already won a statewide election for governor and your, your median polling number is 45, 46, you can't feel great about that, period, anyway. So if, if, if Trump now injects himself in that race and Glenn Youngkin loses on Tuesday... And we all know what the narrative of that's going to be, right? Okay, so I, I think that the point you made there of Trump's willingness to to now enter into the fray is indicative of the fact that that clearly there is some momentum here. Is that fair, Rachel? Yeah, I think that's fair. And the the last thing I'll say on this is that Loudoun County went to Biden for up to 25 points. I think it went to Biden. Mm-hmm. And now Loudoun County, I drove through Loudoun County yesterday and there's signs everywhere that that, that looks like it's now going to go for Yunkin. It's just insane. So I do think it's this is a sign of hopefully bigger things to come if it's not stolen. Josh, uh, Rachel mentioned the graveyard. And, and for those of you that aren't old enough to remember, Virginia, until the early 2000s, post-Reconstruction was a solid red state. I think Bill Clinton was the first Democrat to win it since Reconstruction. And then after, then from Clinton, it became more of a swing state. And it kind of joined Virginia. It was Virginia, Ohio, and Florida, right, that for about 10 or 15 years kind of decided presidential elections. And then Obama made it the blue state that that Rachel just quantified for us. Uh, And and, in an effort to try to retake it, Republicans put up people like Ed Gillespie and others that just didn't didn't fire up uh, the, the electorate. I remember the Ken Cuccinelli race. And they didn't want him to be the nominee. Uh, and Ken listened to a lot of the wrong consultants. And then the last few weeks of that election decided through caution in the wind and just made the whole thing a referendum on Obamacare and nearly pulled a massive upset of Terry McAuliffe in that race. I think that was back in 2013. And I want to go back to what you said earlier, Josh, because I think that's what's happened with Glenn Youngkin here. I think he was kind of running more of a Bob McDonald, Ed Gillespie kind of a race. And then these issues organically blew up on their own. And instead of Mitt Romney saying, when we had Chick-fil-A day, that's not a part of my campaign, he decided to say, hell yeah, I'm going to eat 75 Chick-fil-A's. Hell, I'll buy a Chick-fil-A if you want. And he glommed on to these issues. And I think what you said about embracing those culture war flashpoints is what has, at the very least, made Terry McAuliffe sweat this thing out at the very least. I think that's exactly right, Steve. Yeah, no, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. Look, a tweet that I saw, like as we were coming on the show today, apparently there's a new Washington Post poll that came out that says that education is now the number one issue for Commonwealth of Virginia voters. It has surpassed the economy as the number one voting issue this Tuesday at the polls. Terry McAuliffe was leading voters on that issue, on the education issue, just last month in September, apparently by 33 points. In light of his infamous gaffe that we've, you know, we've all heard where he basically said like parents shouldn't have anything to do with school curricula. And then it kind of all the momentum that that has then entailed with CRT and Yunkin and all that. Yunkin now leads on that issue, on the education issue with likely Virginia voters by nine points. So that's a 42 point swing in one month wow. on the on the number one wow. voting issue for Virginians. So uh, very difficult to overstate that. Um, that's probably almost as almost as surely, I would say, what's actually going on in this new Fox News poll showing, you know, Yunkin up eight points outside the margin of error. Having said that, um, I'm going to echo kind of Rachel's kind of, you know, two-faced, quasi-pessimistic stance here. I I was texting with some friends, all three of whom live in Virginia earlier today, and one of them said to me, he said, look, all we've done, or all Republicans, I should say, have done so far with kind of like, you know, they're trumpeting and they're promoting of this new Fox News poll, all they've done 
is basically telegraph to the Democrats how many dead voters they need to vote because dead voters live in Virginia too, right? So at the end of the day, like if we take seriously what we were saying in the previous yeah. segment that the election was stolen, we yep. can't be confident for this until the chickens are hatched, but it's looking pretty good. And I'll go out on a limb and say that I do, I, I hedge, I'm not like confident to this, but I do predict that Youngkin will probably win, yes. Agree, but the, all of us that have been involved in elections here, it is one thing to spend two years crafting a polling narrative that a guy is president is uniquely unpopular and then coming up at 4 a.m. with vote dumps to make up one, two or three point leads in a bunch of states. Eight points in one state. That's dude. That that that's that's a that's that's a lot of archaeology. All right. I mean, that, that ain't ballot harvesting. That's archaeology, man. You're 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 panning for gold. You're 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 digging up bones, Randy Travis, if you can make up an eight point margin. Fair. Totally fair. The, the only now that's assuming we think Fox News is a good pollster. Right. So, right. yeah, there's right. that. Yeah. But all I'll say is I remember before the presidential election last year, I remember there was this one ABC Washington Post poll out of Wisconsin that showed Biden Harris up like 17. Yes. Points. Yes, you're right. Yes. So, you know, this outside the margin of error thing, like the modern day of polling, take it with a huge grain of salt. But um, look, to the extent that the polling errors tend to transpire, we know that it's kind of one directional, right? They overstate the Democratic right. advantage for all, all sorts of structural reasons. So, again, I'm cautiously optimistic, but yeah. very cautiously. Aaron, you have any thoughts on this before the exit question? I, I'm, I'm largely with Josh. I, I'm not going to put my stock in anything until I see the results at uh, 4 a.m. the next morning. Or a week from uh, yeah. a week thereafter. Exactly. Yes. All right. Uh, exit question. Predict who wins the Virginia gubernatorial election on Tuesday. I just want to say, by the way, that my prediction at the end of the day group about four or five weeks ago was that Glenn Youngkin was going to win this race. Just looking at some nice. early outlier trends. So we'll see on Tuesday if that turns out to be true. But who do you think wins on Tuesday, Rachel? I think Youngkin wins, and I think the whole ballot wins. I think AG and Lieutenant Governor also go all Republican. Wow. Josh? I think Youngkin pulls it out. I do. Aaron? Youngkin. Let's get to our kicker issue. Uh, the la Let's say you could take Wonder Woman's lasso of truth and apply it to the 17 members of the FDA, who, or 18 members of the FDA, who voted 16 to 2 against giving adults third COVID boosters just a few weeks ago, but then turned around and voted 17 to nothing a few days ago to give COVID vaccines to children this week while admitting on camera that they have to in inject the children with the vaccines to find out whether or not they're safe. If you could put Wonder Woman's lasso of truth around each one of those FDA members who voted against giving more of this to the adults, but giving it instead to the kids and experimenting on them, what do you think their answer would be as to why they did this if they were compelled to honesty? Josh. If they were compelled to honesty, look, I think what's going on here, I mean, it's epistemological arrogance, okay? It's like the, is, is the term that I would use Great here. Great use that of is, that word, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's just this incredible haughtiness and arrogance that defines kind of the public health bureaucrats, the Fauci, the Burkses of the world. They think that they know so much better than what their predecessors have said. And by the way, that actually makes these people in kind of a prof in, in a deep philosophical sense of the term profoundly unconservative. If I had to like define like one trait of what it means to be a conservative, you are grateful for kind of like inherited wisdom, grateful for Preach. like the wisdom that, you, yep. that, that, that you've taken from your predecessors, your customs, traditions, and all that. 
they have kind of deviated so far from that because again, if there's anything, these people are just so crazy. The, the trust the science crowd does not understand what quote unquote science or the scientific method entails. The entire scientific enterprise is literally predicated on skepticism, on disproving theories, on, on disproving hypotheses, on all of that stuff. But I, I, I think if you were to put the proverbial lasso of truth on them, they would just openly concede that they actually probably just reject that. And they have drunk, they've drank the mother's milk of the so-called capital S science mm -hmm. so deeply and so repeatedly that they are arrogant enough to kind of throw all of lowercase s science out to pursue capital S science as, you know, as taught by Pope Fauci. Rachel, can me first of all, good luck top in that answer, but can you give me a quick one? Because we're almost out of time. What do you think they'd say, Rachel? Uh, well, they all have Pfizer on their LinkedIn profiles, so they would have to go back and scrub that. So it's all about power and money. I mean, Scott Gottlieb, Republican, FDA, his book's selling out like hotcakes in D.C. Why he's on the Pfizer board and he's accepted big S science, as Josh says. Yep. It's all about the money. Aaron? Their answer would be, quote, F you, your kids belong to us. Yikes. Uh, let's get to our predictions. Aaron, go first. Within uh, the next uh, 30 to 60 days, the Department of Justice will quietly, if they can, either issue a recension uh, or a rescinding of their letter, their memo from a couple of weeks ago, sticking the FBI on concerned parents, or release a completely passive-aggressive, out-of-the-blue letter, uh, vaguely supporting parents' rights to show up to their school board me meetings and how that's an American thing. Okay. Josh, what's your prediction? So I know we're all football fans here, so I'll actually make a football prediction this time. So, look, I, I've been to like six or seven SEC stadiums. I love SEC football. I'm living in Florida now. I have to make it up to the swamp at some point here. I, I am now convinced that the Georgia Bulldogs are actually going to win the national title. Um, and I, I, I have been to, 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 a game, to a game there in Athens. I have a lot of very close friends who are, who are deep Bulldogs fans. I have, I have been there. I have watched them let down year and year, year in and year out. I actually am increasingly convinced that this is actually the year where they're going to actually defeat Alabama. I, I again, like I, I, I say that having watched many Georgia collapses, including in that what 2018, 2019 national title game, whatever yep. it was. So yep. definitely don't want to. I'm not a Georgia fan here. I'm not like putting my personal kind of you know loyalty into this, but watching that team, they are prolific. They beat down opponents. They don't just narrowly beat them. I, mm -hmm. I, I actually do think this is the year that they're going get to the, get the better of Alabama and Atlanta. I hope you're right, because the first college football bet I made was 10-1 to 1 Georgia to win the national championship back in January. So I'm holding on to that ticket. Rachel, go ahead. First of all, can we just say that the SEC is to football what Fauci is and big science is to uh, actual science? The SEC is where people go and they can't even, they graduate and they can't even spell their names correctly. And I know I'm not <laughs> in the minority here because we've got some Big Ten fans. Okay. Off the I'll, top I rope. <laughs> I liked it. Go ahead. I had to get yeah. that off my chest. Yes. As a Purdue fan, I had to get that off my chest. My prediction, also along the lines of football, is that Aaron Rodgers is finally going to break up with this 20-something liberal actress that he's been on the rocks with and going to realize that he can't be uh, an anti-woke uh, spokesperson in in athletics and date uh, liberal actresses. And so he's going to finally settle down with a nice Midwest girl that may or may not look something like myself, for example. No, there we go. <laughs> that might be the greatest prediction that's ever happened in the history of the Dace group right there. I mean, the amount you, I mean, the way you tied in some high-minded ideal and a completely self-serving agenda 
That is exceedingly well done. You clearly have spent a lot of time, sister, in Washington, D.C. You've have stuck the landing. Yes. Uh, I'm going to predict that The Eternals is going to be the least successful film at the box office in the history of the MCU. Really? Yeah. I think it, the least successful film that Marvel's ever produced, I think, will be The Eternals. Rachel and Josh, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us, as always. All right, guys, take care. God bless. Bye. Take care. All right, we'll come back. Hour two coming your way with some feedback Friday. This is where you get to take over, and we will respond to your responses to us here in a moment. Stay tuned. Greetings, and we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre. No totters, and he has the day off. We, nevertheless, will persevere. Uh, and if you want to let us know what you think about what we think, we love to hear from you. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, that's D-E-A-C-E. Uh, look for me as well on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. By the way, a study came out last night. If you have not seen this, I've referenced it on the show already a couple of times. It's obvious Bill O'Reilly has not seen this story, or he's just part of a cult. But there is a year-long study that was released last night. Here's here's the bottom line. The link it, I've linked it up on all of my social media accounts. You'll find whether it's at Steve Day Show, Look for me on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, Gab, Getter. It's on all of these. What it has found is since Delta variant, the vaccinated are carrying every bit as high of viral loads as the unvaccinated and therefore can spread the disease every bit as much as the unvaccinated can. In other words, the entire rationale for, for at least any form of a health rationale for vaccine mandates is a total and complete canard. It's a fallacy. It's a joke. So it's not about health. It's about something else. But it's not about health. That's also why a lot of your state dashboards, when they like to break out vaccinated and unvaccinated, USA Today did this about a week ago, come out with this cumulative data. That's a complete and total scam. For example, suppose I come out with a cumulative study that shows For 20 years of being a dad, I have not beaten my children for 20 years. I go home after today's show and beat the living hell out of them. When when the police arrive, do I show them, Aaron, the cumulative data that shows that for the previous 20 plus years, I did not beat my kids. Therefore, I mean, really, this is an isolated incident and it should be completely just disregarded. Look at my overall success in not beating my children. Should, should the police go for that or kind should they cuff my ass? What do you think? Irrelevant at that juncture. Yes. That, but see, that's what they're doing with this cumulative data. Why? Because the vaccine efficacy data prior to Delta was very good. Since Delta, it's very bad. That's why. And... That begs other questions like, well, did the vaccines make the Delta variant worse? Are they a garbage product that won't handle future variants then, right? Regardless of which of those camps, and there's evidence to suggest on various on these various tentacles could go either way, but regardless of which of those tentacles it ends up being, Aaron, are any of those good for selling vaccine? Any of them? Mm, probably not. Probably not. So that's why they don't want to do the post-Delta 
data. That's why I don't, they don't show that to you because it's bad. Since the ascension of Delta, which is now going back to end of July, 1st of August here in the United States. So we're going on three months of this now. Three months of the vaccinated have been super spreaders. CDC, ironically to its credit, told us this back on August the 5th. The head of CDC went on CNN, where the truth usually goes, to be chloroformed. uh, And admitted that the vaccinated, this doesn't stop transmission any longer. Vaccinated people can transmit the virus. There's also that UW-Madison study. You remember that from a couple of months oh, ago? Oh, yes, I do remember the that study. The titer, meaning the level of virus in the in the nose, basically, of, of the unvaccinated was lower than, than in the va- vaccinated, if I remember that correctly? Yes, that, that there were higher viral loads in the nose of the vaccinated than the unvaccinated. That was a study that looked from, the, from UW-Madison that looked at a couple of the largest counties in Wisconsin and, and looked at those data samples. CDC has told us this since August the 5th, but apparently... Bill O'Reilly just wasn't paying attention, or he just likes authoritarianism, or he's in a cult. Yes, all of the above. All right. Guess I can't blame Bill O'Reilly for not paying attention to CNN. We won't hold that against any man, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that, I, frank, frankly, that probably is a laudable act. Um, but in that case, though, what are your other two excuses? And now we have a study out that shows since Delta, and it's been tracking this trend all year long, vaccinated or not, you can carry the exact same viral load and be just every bit as a super spreader. Get that study today, right now. It's on all of my social media accounts. Also, make sure to get the Pumpkin Puff Built Bar. That is on its way. It's getting delivered at my house on Monday. I cannot wait. Just had my, my, my cookie dough Built Bar here during the break. I keep waiting for, when am I going to get sick of this? Never is the answer because you guys know me. I love cookie dough. It's like a food group. Cookie dough is to me like candy corns and candy canes are to elf. I freaking love cookie dough flavored stuff. And the cookie dough built bar is by far their best flavor. But all of their flavors are good. Talk to a buddy of mine who finally broke down and just tried the variety box. And he's already in love with the coconut and the cookies and cream. You, it's, the, it's the best protein bar you have ever had. It rivals, if not betters, a lot of the candy bars out there you've already tried. It's just unlike them. It's not loaded with calories, sugar, and carbs. But it is loaded with flavor, taste, and protein. You want to try one today? Or try several. Use my last name as your promo code DACE to get 15% off when you go to built.com. B-U-I-L-T, built.com for Built Bar, and use the promo code DACE. All right, let's get to some Feedback Friday, shall we? You bet. Let us begin with, I'm going to withhold the name on this one, okay? This morning, I walked into my patient's independent living apartment to find him deceased and decomposing. Last confirmed sighting was a few days ago. In the past month, we have had nine deaths, all since receiving the booster on September the 15th. Mandatory for all residents in our facility. Age ranges from as young as 57 to as old as 95. I've been in healthcare for going on 22 years, and this is not normal. My boss and I are the only ones who see what is happening. My heart is broken, and I cannot unsee the situation I walked into this morning. I'm seriously considering leaving my career. And obviously, if corporate forces us to be vaccinated, I will absolutely leave my career. 
I'm a faithful listener and applaud your work against COVID, Stan. I'm, I'm just so sorry. What's happening, it's happening again, by the way, in our nursing home facilities, our retirement community or facilities, where these things are almost on a perpetual lockdown. Everybody has to be vaccinated and updated all the time. We're seeing, again, the virus rampage through these facilities, despite the lockdowns, despite the vaccinations. No one should ever see what you had to see there. I'm so sorry. And I wish I could tell you it's an isolated event. It's not. I I get emails, actually. Maybe not. I I saw a patient I loved decomposing, but I, I get emails like this all the time. I hear from people who are who are healers and and want to heal and work in the healthcare sector who are just broken by what they have witnessed for these last couple of years. Don't even recognize their industry, which should be more than an industry, by the way. It, it, it's a calling. It's a service to humanity. But but we've lost our humanity, and we had collectively lost it before COVID arrived. COVID didn't break anything. It exposed that which was already broken or breaking. I know I've gone after Bill O'Reilly quite a bit on the show here today. It's because he was on our network earlier today advocating for medical apartheid. One step away from send you all to camps. Let's, let's, let's do proto-New Zealand. That's what he was advocating. And, and you know, we, we have a lot of diversity of opinion here on our platform, and I love that. I'm glad that we are not all asked to sing off the same song sheet because <laughs> that's, um, uh, you live by that sword, you can die by it, right? I mean, if it's not on the basis of how well you can perform, for the audience and therefore for the company, but on the basis of do we all assume the same narrative? I just, I I don't claim to be the most self-aware person in the world, Aaron, but I kind of think if I'm at least a a somewhat self-assessing, I don't think I might flourish in that kind of an environment. Mm, Just doubtful that my persona may not fit with that. Right. So I, I mean, I love the fact that within an overall mission here of trying to preserve and conserve the last best hope for human liberty east of Eden, we are all permitted our own unique paths and perspectives within that overall mission. But what Bill O'Reilly advocated earlier today on these airwaves is against that mission. This isn't about political pragmatism or one particular view of something or something else. But the idea that we're going to single people out who are not vaccinated and treat them as second-class citizens. A lot of the people, by the way, that he wants to do that to are are why Bill O'Reilly survived multiple scandals at Fox News, had maybe the most watched show in the history of cable television, made him a multiple New York Times best-selling author, one of the most from a current affair, a show Aaron doesn't even remember, a notorious trash tabloid TV show. 
to one of the biggest stars in the history of conservative media. Who did that for him? Who bought all those books? Who watched all those shows? Who supported all those advertisers? You did. The very people now that Bill O'Reilly, as he reaches his twilight years, wants to mark with yellow stars of masks that don't work, by the way. And to me, that goes beyond a difference of opinion. Dave Rubin and I can have a completely different opinion than gay marriage. Provided he doesn't take it to the extent of, if I don't share his opinion, I don't get to be a free citizen. But does Dave Rubin do that? No. Nope. Do I do that to Dave Rubin on the other end, by the way? Nope. Nope. Therefore, can we share a platform and an overall mission despite an agreement on a fairly substantive issue or disagreement? Yes. What O'Reilly advocated today, in my view, violates that social compact here within our ecosystem. That is flat-out authoritarian tyranny. That goes against everything that we're trying to do here on our platform. Everything. And someone should have called him out for it, so I've nominated myself. And I made an exception this time because of that. I'm not in the business of policing everybody else's opinions or guests, and I certainly hope they don't do it with mine. I get things wrong all the time. Some things, though, we don't get to get wrong. And this is one of them. Somebody sent me a tweet. You know, I really love Bill O'Reilly. He's just way off on this. You don't get to be way off on this. Nothing has threatened our freedom and ability to live as Americans more than COVID Stan has ever. Or at least not since Pearl Harbor. Imagine December 8th, 1941. January 7th, 1942. May 15th, 1942. September 9th, 1943. And you're out there saying stuff like, I don't know, man. I, I think maybe the Japanese were just understood and we shouldn't be going this far. That is the equivalent, the Tokyo Rose level equivalent of what Bill O'Reilly dropped on our airwaves earlier today. Because nothing Nothing. There has never been a larger event. They, they used it to steal an election. They use it to muzzle your children. They use it to, took, to take away your business. They used it to shut down your churches. Should I continue, Aaron? Can you think of anything else short of losing World War II that would have threatened all those fundamental aspects of human liberty simultaneously in the history of this country since. No is the answer. This does. You don't get to be way off on this. If you're way off on this, you're just way off. Well, you know, guy's a really good pastor and, you know, he's just way off letting Rob Bell give the sermon every Sunday. No, 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 no. Nope, 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 no, and bleep no, nope, no. Some things you just don't get to be wrong, and this is one of them. This threatens everything, COVID stand threatens everything we're about as a platform and as a people, everything. 
And the price we're paying for here is not clicks or cash. Somebody, good friend of mine said to me yesterday, man, you are so blessed that you've got management that lets you guys say and do the things you're doing right now. And boy, howdy, was he right. Because let me tell you what the cost is here of being a little, just way off, just way off on this one thing. Way off on the budget. Way off on 15 other things. Doesn't, doesn't lend itself to this. Let me read this email again. This morning I walked into my patient's independent living apartment to find him deceased and decomposing. Everybody there wearing masks. Everybody there locked down. Everybody there vaccinated and boosted. Everything Bill O'Reilly wants. And yet still in the past month, they say, we've had nine deaths, all since receiving the booster on September the 15th, mandatory for all residents in this facility. Age ranges from as young as 57 to as old as 95. I've been in healthcare for going on 22 years. This is not normal. My bosses and I are my boss and I are the only ones who see what is happening. My heart is broken. I'm seriously considered leaving my career. No, Bill. You owe all these people that lined your pockets and stood by you when the spirit of the age came after you, when you were doing versions of what Tucker Carlson is doing now, when you were writing books called Culture War and making millions off it. You owe all those people who stood by you, Bill, and gave you the cushy life that you've enjoyed for the better part of the last 30 years. You owe them a hell of a lot more other than wear a damn mask. Be a ward of the state. Violate every principle of human dignity. Embrace junk science. Let your kids be experimented on. You owe a lot of people that made you very wealthy one hell of an apology, Bill. Because you know what the cost is of buying into your narrative? It's all the emails like this, brother, that I have received for the last year and a half. My grandmother died alone. I'm losing my job. I'm pregnant. My, I'm pregnant. They'll, they, they'll fire me if I don't get the vaccine while pregnant. My son has had heart issues. They won't let him play sports this year unless he gets a vaccine that causes heart issues. Maybe because they don't keep it pithy enough for you, you don't read your emails anymore, Bill. Maybe you don't. But see, I, I didn't get, I'm not as rich as you yet, so I still read mine. And I hear all these stories. I suffer with all these people. These are your people, Bill. They made you the gross domestic product of a small Latin American country. Do you think, Bill? As you come to the end of your race, you can maybe put down your arrogance and self-importance and self-repugnance and smugness. Put it down for maybe three seconds. Maybe listen to them and realize you might owe the people who subsidized your lifestyle of the rich and famous a little bit more than become a second-class citizen and here's your yellow star.
Let me continue. I will withhold the name on this one as well. I listened to your overtime a few days ago, and I have to say the level of evil is even worse. I work for Regeneron, maker of the monoclonal, one of the original makers of the monoclonal antibodies. I work for Regeneron, and the estimated loss of life from the drug being withheld is actually over 200,000. So I ran through on an overtime last week. What the potential loss of life has been from not promoting effective early treatments, and I only used one effective early treatment, and it's the one that the FDA has sanctioned, the monoclonal antibodies, originally known as Regeneron. Would we come up with conservative estimate? 45,000 people died yep. from COVID that didn't have to. This person says, I listened to you over time when you did this. The level of evil is even worse. I work for Regeneron. And the estimated loss of life from the drug being withheld is well over 200,000. It is very distressing the company's hands are tied due to the power of government. We are not allowed to advertise and have to be careful to not be seen as promoting it due to the EAU. So everywhere you went, they, sh they shoved the vaccine down your throats. But this person who works at Regeneron says we can't be advertising. That's why you haven't seen it. Why have I heard commercial after commercial on the radio every day I go home, every time I come in here? For the vaccine from Pfizer. Maybe because one's made by Pfizer and the other is not. Yeah. First week of June, only 2,000 doses a week across the country were being given. That's incredible. No one knew about it, even though it had been out for months. After Florida started promoting it, that went to 200,000 doses a week. They have the ability to make one and a half million doses a week. The EAU approval is not just for those with COVID, but for prevention when exposed and high risk. So like a prophylaxis. Mm -hmm. 70% of the adult U.S. population qualifies as high risk if you follow the various guidelines that are out there. Now, the label is very broad in the data for both treatment and prevention, but the, treatment, the data for both treatment and prevention is amazing. It cut the time of being able to spread from 10 days to four, meaning the time that you are contagious to other people. That's an inc which, of course, that's an incredible statistic. It's easy to give and approved as either a 30-minute an infusion or a sub Q. The administration used emergency powers to take distribution away from the company, and they are now rationing to the country and preventing many, many patients that should get this from getting it. It is beyond evil and so much worse than what you even reviewed on your show. Next, antibody dependent enhancement. You guys are a bit confused on how this works, and it's not what we believe is causing the variants. Really, what's causing it is viral escape. Now, this is what Peter McCullough said in our show Correct. last week. This, that's what this Regeneron person believes. ADE causes the overreaction by your body after you, exp you are exposed to the virus or some other similar virus in the future. It causes a massive inflammatory response and cytokines storms that leads to rapid decline and multi-organ failure if not quickly treated and it is very scary. But I do expect that we could start seeing some of this as well soon, too. Again, this is what McCullough said on our show, that we had not devolved to ADE yet, but he thought he called it was an antigenetic escape, okay? Mm -hmm. But that sounds very similar to what this person who works at Regeneron, who I'm withholding their information, has indicated. And again, I just, is, it, is it just too much to ask, Mr. O'Reilly, that if you're going to accept the good graces of all these people in this audience that made you a multi-millionaire, Sir, could you do a little homework? Could you do a little independent study? You know, one of the things I've mentioned, I'm praying a lot these days, like daily, 
finish my race. Finish the race. It's pretty clear what's happened to old Bill is in the springtime when Kings went off to war, David stayed behind. David, uh, I'm sorry, Freudian slip. Bill has come to the place now where he believes his own feces doesn't stink. He is the Senate. He orders the code red. He didn't get all that success and all of that wealth by serving you, but you're just so blessed to give it to him because you serve him. That's where that sneering comes from. That's where that arrogance comes from, that smugness. Time to start calling people on this, especially, and most especially, when the exercise of that arrogance is in advocacy of things that are just flat out inhumane, wicked, and evil. Is it too much to ask, Bill, to do at least a little work? A little study? A little research? I mean, I would assume you've got the money to pay staff for that. Not to mention, what the hell do you think it means, you th- how, how, how strong you think your own vaccine is? That you need the unvaccinated masked around you. Aren't you on some level admitting your vaccine sucks? By the way, it does. Just not for any of the reasons that you clearly don't understand. But would, because I know you're a smart guy. I watched you for years. You would understand it if you put just a little work into it. A li- just a little. A little effort. It's only our way of life at stake. No big thing. I mean, it's okay. We can we can pragmatic this thing, Rube Goldberg machine this thing. That's what Todd would say if he were here. We don't gotta we don't gotta be right about this one. It's only our very way of life that's at stake. This is why a generation and men in leadership need to know when to say when. Contrast that with Dan Bongino this week. Yep. Bongino's been off the air all week with arguably the biggest radio show in America. Why? Because even though he got vaccinated early on as a cancer survivor, he doesn't agree with cumulus radio imposing this tyranny on the people he works with. And he's taking a stand for them. One that may cost him a hell of a lot of money, by the way. See, Bill O'Reilly used to be that guy. That's why he made all that money. That's why he bought all his books. That's why he watched all those shows. He used to be that guy. He used to be the no spin zone. And what happens? What happens is we, over, we either die the hero or live long enough to see ourselves become the villain. You stay for too long. It's not like Bill needed the money. Like, 
your presence was so required. We, we couldn't do this without you. Start reading your own press clippings. You're the guy Jesus talks about in the parable. You know, I've, I've stored up all this grain. I've made all this wealth. And now I'm just going to sit here and rest on it and enjoy it. You fool, you'll be dead tomorrow. You start thinking that this is all about you. See, just about four or five years ago, Dan Bongino had no idea he was going to do anything other than Facebook Lives from a room in his house. Go tell 2015 Dan Bongino he's going to be arguably the biggest star in conservative media in 2021. He would have said, are you freaking kidding me? How? But that's where he is. How did he get there? Going for broke on everything. That's what Bill O'Reilly was doing in 1997, 2003, going for broke. Know when to say when. When is your time up? When is it time to step aside? When is it time for the next generation? When have you done your tour of duty? Chances are, if you've not asked that question, it's already too late. But that's the difference. Now, the challenge for a guy like a Dan Bongino is 15, 20 years from now, not to turn out like that. At this point, I'll be mildly surprised if we still exist as a nation 15 to 20 years from now. I'm sure Dan would enjoy having that temptation foisted upon him to wrestle with. I do know this, though. We won't last another 15 or 20 years. Listen to Bill O'Reilly. You may think that with the warmer weather gone in most of the country that uh, the sweats may be gone as well. But here's the problem with that. It just means we are without excuse. Those of us who battle as sweaters, we don't have an excuse now. And we show up for the, the job interview or that public speaking engagement or that first date or pulled over by the cops looking rather uh, guilty. We were speeding, but now we really look like maybe we're funneling contraband or something, right? Uh, this time of year, the excuses are gone, but the sweat still remains. That's why you want our friends over at Sweat Block. Their antiperspirant wipes are stronger and more effective than even the most clinical antiperspirants that are out there. You just wipe your pits down before you go to bed at night, get up the next morning, shower, do whatever you normally do, and you're good to go for several days. You don't have to worry about the sweats coming back. All right. And you can also try their other products too. They've got a fantastic deodorant. I've used it. It's it's phenomenal. Um, they've got uh, lotions that are deodorant lotions for parts of the body that maybe are a little difficult to uh, dehumidify, if you know what I'm saying. All right. So you get 20% off right now when you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code. When you go to sweatblock.com, again, 20% off with the promo code Dace at sweatblock.com. Let's get back to some uh, Feedback Friday. And um, uh, this is from a guy named... Um, Dave, I was married for 25 years and most of my career was in the U.S. Navy and what I thought was going to be a career in automotive, which lasted for seven years. Our annual income hovered around 50K. I was the sole provider. My wife homeschooled our children full time, managed the budget. We didn't have a lot, but we were very happy. 
After my automotive career ended, I went back on active duty for a year and retired from the Navy Reserves. Having a security clearance landed me a job in the aerospace defense industry. Suddenly, the pay and benefits were amazing. We finally had more financial freedom and security than ever before. Less than six years in, though, tragedy struck. Eight and a half years ago, I lost my wife to cancer. Had all eight of my children at home at the time. Three were adults and working. Outside of insurance, I spent my 401k and an additional 80k out of pocket to try and save her life. The pressure was on me for my kids' education, mental and spiritual well-being. Needless to say, my relationship with God soured as I was very angry for a couple of years. And then the good fruit started to fall my way. I was offered a job as an engineer and my pay dramatically increased. My 401k is recovered. We're debt-free. I'm sending my kids now to private school. My salary in 14 years doubled from what I was making in automotive. What more can anyone ask for? I was fortunate that my job was not impacted by COVID and I was able to work and pull as much overtime as I wanted. Fast forward to today, and now we have a vaccine mandate. This has impacted my job as I do work in a government facility. I decided that I'm not going to get the vaccine and have applied for religious exemption, although I'm not holding my breath for the approval. I took matters into my own hands and made a decision to move and start anew. I sold my home and received top dollar, found a new job in a red state, and I'm resolute in my decision. The job I'm taking is a pay cut, but I'm okay with that. Too many people are holding on to their money and toys over this and don't think about the bigger picture. If we don't fight and say no and lay down, the republic is over. I truly believe that this mandate is a test. If everyone folds, there is more evil to come. I'm not going to even attempt to add anything to that. Uh, this man's this man's testimony needs no further clarification. It will just be acknowledged and accepted into the record. Thank you, Dave. I'm a pharmacist for an independent pharmacy in Alabama. I get calls all the time from people who say their pharmacy will not dispense ivermectin. They are being told either corporate told us not to fill it or we are unable to get this medicine from the wholesaler. Both of these are lies. There have been shortages several weeks ago, but currently ivermectin is widely available in our area. I spoke with a pharmacist at a local chain and asked why he would not fill the med. He stated that corporate sent the letter to them from CDC, FDA, and AMA, which doesn't recommend the use of it for COVID-19. So I asked them, is corporate telling you not to fill this? He said, well, no, they're leaving it up to the pharmacist in charge, but we are generally just not filling it. In other words, he is basically saying we as pharmacists are going to decide which off-label treatments are accepted, that you get to play doctor. This is unacceptable, and it must be stopped. That's why we're suing Walmart. You're right. It should be. This is practicing medicine without a license. Please let your viewers and listeners know the following. Number one, there is no corporate policy that exists against filling ivermectin by Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid. No policy exists for major groceries or pharmacies like Kroger, Publix, Walmart, Sam's Club, and Costco. Number two, there is no national supply shortage in the United States at the time. Number three, very few circumstances where a pharmacy or pharmacist cannot obtain a supply of ivermectin within 24 to 48 hours. Number four, FDA approval for COVID-19 is not required to prescribe ivermectin off-label. In fact, 20% of all prescriptions written in the U.S. are off-label. Number five, very few U.S. states allow pharmacists to refuse to fill a valid ex a prescription. Exception, if an error in the script or a dangerous drug-to-drug -drug interaction exists. 
Even fewer states allow pharmacists to abandon the patient by not providing them an alternative place to get the prescription filled. So make sure to check the laws in your state. A major step to put an end to this nonsense is for people to call the local state board of pharmacy. File a complaint including the pharmacist knowingly lied to them concerning the filling of their prescription. And that is from Stephen Smith. Thank you, Stephen. And again, you've quantified and articulated all of the reasons why we will soon be launching a website, a lawsuit against Walmart for attempting to, to I believe, either indirectly or directly, kill one of my best friends. By virtue of denying him what over 60 studies have shown to be a life-saving treatment. Thank you for the work you're doing, brother. Next, count this physician in. After being fired from my job as a translator at Parkland Hospital for not calling in sick the correct way, I was the only non-Hispanic translator, and this was not well-received by my counterparts. I put myself through the Mexican International Medical School in residency as a single mom. Wow. I moved to Mexico with my one-year-old boy with nowhere to live and no one to help me, no one to help me watch him during school. I knew God had my back and boy did he ever. Doors opened left and right. I had to rely on his greatness and my faith in times of exhaustion, fear, insurmountable stress and desperation during call nights and illnesses. I was in Mexico during the H1N1 outbreak, so we were near the epicenter. I drove by a military raid of powerful narcos houses in Guadalajara on my way to take my son to the movies. I stood up to Mexican male administrators as class president, fighting against the unfair treatment of fellow American classmates. Hemorrhagic fever outbreak closed a campus a few days. I could go on and on with everything that we went through. Before this, I was an analyst in New York for Citigroup and watched the second plane hit the towers. Just a second. Lost my, my computer locked up. Love it when that happens. Yes, right as I'm reading this. There we go. Before this, I was an analyst in New York for Citigroup and watched the second plane hit the Twin Towers. I guess this is, by the way, this gal's name is Julia Narberg in Edmond, Oklahoma. Julia, you're not only just telling us you're a total badass, but that you have exceedingly terrible luck (laughs) and people need to be careful around you. (laughs) I mean, this woman, yikes. You better have thick skin. No question. All right. Uh, I was an analyst in New York for Citigroup. I watched the second plane hit the Twin Towers. I walked the empty and quiet streets of New York for days afterwards until I could get the first flight home out of LaGuardia. I was then assigned to Enron as one. I, I was then assigned Enron as one of my clients in the oil and gas division in Houston. My 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 my. This was three weeks prior to its infamous third quarter earnings release that sent the merchant energy thieves into a tailspin. The corruption I witnessed was nauseating and disheartening. I lost respect for many people during those few months. I ultimately quit Citigroup, and in medical school, I prevailed and graduated valedictorian. I was accepted into a competitive residency in spite of being told by a female attending that I'd have to sleep my way into being a foreign medical graduate. I've experienced some of the most patronizing, misogynistic, and abusive uh, and abuse, both direct and passive aggressions and gaslighting from the medical and financial sectors. I am done. I am currently fighting against vaccine mandates and sending my kids to school unmasked. I did not sign up to live this way. I've been through too much to bend over and accept this. I'm in. Please let me know what we can do. Exactly what you're doing. Julia, exactly what you are doing. She's an MD in Edmond, Oklahoma, by the way. So if you're looking for an MD in Edmond, Oklahoma, I would, number one, 
get this woman. Number two, hands at 10 and 2, seatbelt firmly applied as you drive in for, to see her, okay? Um, but um, Julia, sister, you're doing it. You're refusing to comply. That's it. That's the key. By the way, we are soon, we have, we're going to take the uh, close to 10,000 emails of those of you that signed our COVID, our, our declaration of independence from COVID stand pledge. And what's the next step? We're going to try to communicate with you regularly on what's going on with COVID stand and what we can do about it. All right. So we're going to, you'll be getting an email here in the next week or two that will lay out for you the specifics of all the early treatments and ivermectin fulfillment places we've all we've been talking about here on the show. We'll send you all of that stuff, including uh, recent uh, studies on vitamin D and preventative measures um, to, to, to try to keep us as forearmed as possible with good data. And then as time goes on, opportunities for us to mobilize with that data as well. So if, if you want to sign the pledge to make sure you're on that list, stevedace.com. Right? Because the whole point of this was not just to make a commitment, but then to find ways to stay in touch with one another uh, pursuant to that commitment. Okay, so uh, thank you very much. And you can sign the pledge like Julia did at stevedace.com. It'll take you right away um, to a place where you can put in your email uh, to say, hey, yeah, I'm in, I'm in on this. All right, I want to be part of uh, the, this resistance and pushback. So... Uh, I mean, Julia, you are doing exactly what I would be telling you to do. Don't comply. Defy. Um, this is from Joe. The first time I heard anything from you was the election night when you were on with Glenn. Since that day, I've become a religious fan of your show and, uh, and most of your returning guests. That always means there's somebody they don't like. <laughs> <laughs> My question for you is, do you have a way to send me some of the bullet points I can take to my children's school board to fight with? They sent emails last night stating they will be following CDC guidelines as well as Jackson County Health Board. We're just outside of Kansas City, Missouri. I'm not scared to stand, but I do have problems getting my point across without anger or violence, especially when it comes to my three boys. You too, huh? God, I don't know anybody else like that. I love it. I have a pretty strong group that is with me in this fight, but I also work 12 hours a day and then have five baseball practices a week, so I'm pressed for time. If not, I'll be taking Fauci and bargaining with me as I have some pages marked. On a side note, I just wanted to say that I lost my faith a long time ago, and you guys are the closest to help it being reinstated that I have ever been. Thanks for fighting the good fight and pushing back, even if it's not popular. So, Joe, yes. Um, first of all, and, and I get this question from a lot of people, all of our socials, if you go back months, especially the non-Facebook and Twitter ones, like me, we parlor, Gab and Getter, all of that stuff is there and linked up. Um, but if you're looking for a gr some great websites, Rational Ground is a phenomenal website uh, that, that does a great job with a lot of this data. Justin Hart is one of the co-founders of that. He was just on our show a couple of weeks back. Um, but our social media feeds, we link that stuff up all the time, but this is one of the things that we're going to be doing with those of you that have signed our pledge is, is sending you these kinds of updates to keep you up to date on this stuff. Okay. 
Um, so stevedace.com is where you can go if if you want to commit to signing that Pledge of Defiance, that Declaration of Independence uh, from COVID Stan. So Joe, thank you uh, for the note, brother. Appreciate you. So uh, if you want to win big in the stock market, just simply follow Nancy Pelosi's moves to find all the winners. It's no coincidence every stock she invests in just happens to skyrocket, even though by law, doesn't her stuff have to be in a, tr- in a blind trust? It's amazing how that stuff works out, okay? I guess that's what happens when you take closed-door bribes from tech CEOs. I'm sorry. Um, you're just, uh, um, uh, my bad. You're just really smart, okay? So while you're worried about inflation hurting your nest egg, uh, the government keeps printing money to fund their lavish lifestyles, maybe even giving illegal aliens $450,000, as the Wall Street Journal reported yesterday. However, did you know there is an area to grow your nest egg and your portfolio that is a secret asset class the mega-rich use to grow theirs, and some billionaires even hold up to a third of their entire net worth in it? And it's not gold or Bitcoin, not that those things aren't great. It's probably nothing you just expect, though. It's actually contemporary art. Multi-million dollar pieces that hang in museums by artists like Picasso, Warhol, In fact, contemporary art prices outperformed the S&P by 174% from 1995 to 2020. All right, so how can you get in that game? Masterworks.io. Masterworks.io slash Steve. It's the only investment platform bringing the exclusive art universe to you in just a few easy clicks. You won't need to be an insider uh, or even an art investor anymore. You just have to be a proud American that wants in on some of the action that the elites are taking advantage of. All right. So if you want to learn more, you want to get exclusive access to this asset class, masterworks.io slash Steve. That's masterworks.io slash Steve. Aaron, any final thoughts before we get out of here today? You know, listening uh, and participating um, in today's show, I was thinking the other day, you know, it's one thing if some random chick named Jacinda, who happens to be the prime minister of some land across the sea, says, yeah, we're setting up two classes of people. It's another thing when some immigrant to the United States named Leanna says you can't see your parents unless you do this one thing she wants you to do. It's another thing when some graying, decrepit old Marxist named Noam says that if you don't do this thing, you should be isolated. It's another thing when probably the most powerful medical person in the United States says you're the cause of what ails this entire planet. This is how... This is how we ended up with concentration camps, guys. I hear the train a-coming. It's coming around the bend. This is how we got there. The stakes are cosmic. What are you going to do about it? Start by not listening to Bill O'Reilly. And that'll do it for today's show. Have a great weekend. Back at it again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.